0: Welcome back to Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place we bring together the world's leading experts on all things health and wellness to help you all optimize your mind, body, and movement. We're gonna start today's episode out with a quote from Millard Fuller. It goes like this: it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. Millard Fuller, it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. Uh, pretty fascinating stuff. How our movement, our postural patterns, the way that we occupy ourselves, impacts the way that we think and the way that we feel. You could say our movements are like catalysts for feelings and sensations. Uh, I think a a typical, more common model would be more of like a top-down model. Our thoughts and feelings spill into our bodies to be moved. uh, and Then there would be another perspective, more bottom-up, that our bodies spill upward into our thoughts and feelings. It's up to you. I think it goes both ways. Uh, Today's conversation was with... New York Times best-selling author Abel James. Abel has been a friend of mine for several years, and uh, he's a fantastic human being. This conversation gets into all sorts of interesting things, from the way that cultures eat and the value of being intentional with the way that we eat and the way that we do anything. Uh, We get into his latest book, Designer Babies Still Get Scabies, which is a poetry book. Very fascinating, very challenging, potentially controversial at times book uh, short poems that have big meaning so really excited we get into a couple or actually just one of his poems in this conversation and uh, really fun stuff uh, like I said Abel is a friend so this is pretty much just a conversation I wouldn't really call this an interview we are uh, just just talking and the emphasis is kind of around poetry and thoughts and things of that nature and we have very exciting news. We're relaunching the Align Method online program coming out March 10th. Pretty exciting stuff. We put a ton of work into this thing. Very excited. It's broken down to six-week format. And one of the things that y'all may find valuable in there is some of the fundamental breathwork practices that we break down. Anytime you are feeling stressed out, we help you to down-regulate, calm down. If you want to get a boost of energy, we teach you how to do that using the power of your breath. The first seven days is. actually absolutely free, no strings attached. And if you continue with that, you'll get the Align band, heavy duty, resistance band, and a lot of good stuff along with that thing. So hope you guys devour that. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts. That along with the Align Method book and everything else can be found at alignpodcast.com or alignpodcast on Instagram. I think we are ready to go back to the scheduled programming with Mr. Abel James. So I wonder what I hear a lot of time with authors is they go through like a burnout phase because they yeah. put all of their all their marbles into this thing. And they're like they're just spending their whole day agonizing over this. And then eventually they like never want to, you know, write a book again or they just they have to go. They have to move to Bali for six months to like regather themselves. Yeah. Did you have anything like that? Any form of burnout or not so much? I was writing my book
1: in Bali for parts of it. So I tried. Oh, great. Okay, to... Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's smart. <laughs> well, one of the reasons I did that and was traveling so much is because my wife and I, you know, it's, it's different or it feels different anyway, being at the end of your 20s, like just hitting 30 or whatever, compared to like we're in our mid to like coming up on late 30s now. So we were excited to get out there and experience a lot of different cultures. And when you go to the other side of the world, it really rattles your whole idea of what reality is, or at least it, it did for me, going to Bali, for instance. Yeah since you brought it up, where, you know, like, not only did something like three out of four people there believe in magic, but they actively practice it, like every day. That's how real it is in other places. And you go over there, and it just shows up in so many different ways. Like, for example, I've told this story before, but it, it really changed me. At the time that we went to Bali, and I was writing the book, we had just sold everything, I sold my house and cars and all that stuff. And so we only had what was in those backpacks. Uh, on the way back from the airport, we stopped at a, at a rice paddy that was just super beautiful to stretch our legs and stuff. And our driver, um, as we walk away from the car, we notice that the windows are down and like the doors are still unlocked. Our bags are just like right there and there are tons of people around. And we're just like, uh, do you think we should lock it up? And he's just like, oh. And he's like totally surprised. Uh, and he's just like, no, people believe in karma here, so we don't steal. <laughs> I was like, wow. You know, right. I haven't yeah, experienced, yeah. you experienced that sort of thing a few times in your life. And it, uh, it shows you that you're not what your environment is in America every single day and what's broadcast on the media or on billboards or whatever magazines yeah. tell you it's, uh, yeah. it's powerful when you get around. So I, th- I thought it was a cool thing to do to, um, double down on that and try to see eating from their perspective and, and health <laughs> from their perspective. And they have a lot of different ideas.
0: So what was the, was there any karmic relation into, uh, nutrition
1: there? I noticed noticed that the way that they ate was so much more reverent since most of them, you know, have probably a 10th or a hundredth or maybe a thousandth of the resources, monetary resources that most Westerners have. Uh, it's not an exaggeration to say that some people pray over every grain of rice. You know what I mean? It's it's a tiny amount that they eat. A, a quarter of a chicken can feed either a person or a whole family, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so they don't have the problems of overconsumption. Or, or, or you know, this is all vastly generalizing entire countries and parts of the world, which isn't fair. There are exceptions either way. So this is just kind of like what I noticed the first time we were there. And it was that, that people really didn't seem to have a lot of the problems of overindulgence or overeating or self-hate for eating or shame around eating because it was so infused with spirit to begin with that that just kind of pushed out all of the head case stuff that that's more ego driven that westerners seem to struggle with
0: yeah man did you have any kind of self-hate stuff in relation to eating since you brought that up totally or
1: totally yeah, you know, it's been interesting because I've been in the past year or two with my wife looking back into some of the cartoons that we watched and some of the toys we played with when we were kids. We don't have kids yet, but we're kind of just like in that mode where a lot of our, our friends do. And, and so we're trying to see the world from the next generation coming up, their perspective. Yeah. And uh, I realized for a whole lot of different reasons, like how quickly I kind of built the need to have muscle um, yeah. and, and like be big. Or be, in some way, like powerful, but from a ego-driven way, like a testosterone, you know, think Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Jordan smoking a cigar with champagne being poured over their head, kind of way. But that even came from Captain Planet. That dude was jacked. That came from He Man. That came from pretty much every cartoon in every direction. And what a lot of people don't understand, I think. You know, you aren't due and, and it's clear that from your podcast and your book that you're a deep dude and appreciate deep thinking. Um, but we are being affected from such a young age, and it shows up later in life, and we don't even realize the the cages that we've trapped ourselves in. Does that make sense? So, yeah, <laughs> people talk about toxic masculinity, and that's a big buzzword or whatever. But to me. What some of that means is the programming that we're coming to the table with, where you're supposed to be bigger and have all this muscle. And how do you get there? Juicing or trying some sort of crazy to failure exercise that's supposed to be buzzwordy and you're into it and irresponsible because you're a teenager or whatever. So it manifests in different ways. Have you
0: thought or felt into where the origin of that sensation of your need to to be P man big and strong was? Do you think it was just purely media or do you think anything else?
1: No, there was definitely other stuff, too. I mean, me personally, not to get into anything too detailed, uh, (laughs) I had an older brother who was a negative example and roughed me up on more than a few occasions, and I was considerably smaller and younger. And so for me, as soon as puberty started coming, I I felt like I needed to get big Mm -hmm. and bulk up to protect... Not only myself, but like once you lose power or you lose a fight, right? Like later in life, when I was a teenager, I right. got jumped by a bunch of cokeheads who just kicked the crap out of me. And once you, you know, kind of like lose that, you want to go back in the opposite direction. Sometimes you want to go there and, and sacrifice even your integrity to get there, right? Because if mm-hmm. like Arnold Schwarzenegger, which a lot of us were raised – worshiping, right, during his Terminator days and his, like, being king of the world days. There's there's a lot baked in there that if that's your what you're aiming for, it's going to be ugly on the way, right? And hopefully you'll learn that that is not, like, being Michael Jordan or being Arnold Schwarzenegger. And we're talking about man stuff here, you know, but that's, that's kind of what we were raised with, looking at, looking up at. And uh, that can be really damaging because a lot of these People who are rock stars, music stars, sports stars, you know a lot of celebrities and and people in in pro sports, like you're in a time in your life where you're you're at the top of the world and it's probably the most ego you'll ever have and you're young and you're strong and all this different stuff. It's like maybe you shouldn't grow up worshiping them as much as your grandpa and the values that like key could have instilled in you. I, I grew up and both my grandfathers, unfortunately, were dead by the time I was growing up. So I never got to know that. But I think that's one thing that a lot of us grew up missing was that just like deep, practical, foundational knowledge of how to be a good, ethical, moral human being so that, you know, when you get to that point where you're going to sleep at night, you can feel good about doing honest work, whether you're just like cutting people's hair or moving rocks around, or typing on a computer, it doesn't matter, like, you can go to bed feeling that way. And wake up feeling like you have meaning to do your work, right? Yeah. It's, it's real. I think I think it was um,
0: Marianne Williams. she mentioned, uh, like, both young people and old people both have wisdom. Uh, it's just young people tend to have more or knowledge around things that change, and old people right. have more, more knowledge or wisdom around the things that don't. And that's I think cool. as a young person, it's very easy to just like discredit any of the old stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's the old people that are looking back. They're like, oh, you will see. Right. <laughs> We've been there. The foundation of everything, <laughs> I don't think, really changes. Like there's right. like there's this golden thread of truth throughout any relationship or any business or any just life experience. And then there's all the minutiae around that. And I think that like, like growing up with the obsession over muscles or obsession over validation or anything, that's kind of mm-hmm. like the minutia stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the human experience I have a feeling is the process of coming back to that thread. You know, do you feel like you've, does that, does that sound crazy? No, <laughs> not know? at all. I, I totally agree <laughs> with that. Yeah. Do you, how did, what was your process of kind of dropping the minutiae muscle bound, hating myself over what goes into my, my, my face kind of complexes? How do you come back to truth?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's another piece of that too, where like, the, and, and you're a big dude. Like I've met you in person. You're a lot bigger than me. But there's a th- part of being a dude where it's hedonistic and like the more you eat, the more of a man you are. And that's reinforced oh, right. by by so many people over the years. It's just like, oh, you got a big healthy – app. they call it a healthy appetite. And so for <laughs> me, I can put on muscle but I can also put on fat um, quite easily. So you got to watch that. It's easier when you're younger or when you're just burning through. I was a runner and a mountain bike racer and all that Stuff. So I was burning through a lot of calories earlier in my, in my training days. And so that changes over the years and you got to keep your, your eye on it. You know what I mean? And you've, you've got to learn how to adapt. And f- for me, I needed to see some of those things for what they were in other people around me and saw how those were damaging. You know, for example, seeing some athletes who held records and I'm not going to name names right now, who you know, literally held held records one month to like six or twelve months later, being fifty pounds overweight, sometimes yep. way more than that. Seeing well, that that's, stuff that bur- happen- that's that burnout.
0: Yeah, totally. You, know, you're, you put all your marbles into this thing. I think there's something to respect of people that that practice lifestyles that are sustainable. Right. It's like the tortoise and the hare kind of thing. Yeah. You know, we're really enamored by the by the because it's like, whoa! You're like, wow! Like it's crazy, like fireworks, and it's amazing. Right. But then, you know, the person that's like, no, 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 I'm just going to keep on this consistent path. Um, they're not applauded nearly as much. Sorry, I interrupted you.
1: Yeah, not really. This is a conversation. Yeah. So let's <laughs> yeah, take this wherever yeah. it's going. Yeah. Um, but I think
0: there's a lot like, There's a lot of value to that. Like that's something I think yeah. about regularly. is like, you know, how do I be 80, 90, 100 and still be dancing and having sex and doing right. yoga and like really like smiling and experiencing joy in every cell through my body? I mean, it sounds a little bit, you know, idealistic, but. Um, you know how do I do that yeah. you know as opposed to how do I burn my joints out now while I'm in my 30s to right. impress people and essentially prostitute my body for validation
1: um, you know that's like one path and, and th- another thing that you learn is that short-term gains can sometimes be at the cost of long-term results right That's a thing right. you don't realize when you're young but you realize that later. And, and you realize that a part of aging is, isn't that you're getting injured more. It's that your old injuries come back to haunt you, right? And that like this other more, uh, it, it creeps up on you more. And you've got to keep your head about it. And you also just need to <laughs> keep doing it. It is so much easier. And I'll say because I'm coming out of a big injury. Uh, it is so much easier to stay in shape than it is to get in shape, get back into shape, you know? And I can totally yeah. empathize with with people who get hurt and then have a really hard time ever getting back because you, frankly, have never had to do that before, right? Like the athlete who is at peak health or or at peak performance, I should say, right, who, who then puts on 30 or 50 pounds, they've never had to lose 50 pounds before. And if you're doing that for the first time and you're a little bit older, um, you realize that things are changing and you kind of freak out and you don't know what to do. So thankfully, I mean, we're, like one of the reasons I chose to do... uh you know, podcasting and video and and just kind of like TV shows and interviews and stuff is because you get to cross pollinate ideas with other people and learn, learn not only about what's changing and what's new, but also about the things that you keep hearing over and over again. And it's like, I I was listening to your interview with Paul check. And it's like, that dude has been right for a long time. But a a lot of things (laughs) have you seen, many things come and go. And it's beautiful (laughs) to hear you know, uh, there's a meme that went around years ago. It's like once you reach max level, you you stay at max level. You don't keep yeah. leveling, right? You just like you hold that spot. And so yeah. that becomes the challenge because in order to hold that spot, sometimes it means like really pivoting in a super crazy world.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how do you keep yourself sane in and not get kind of wrapped up in... Like, I I feel like you were in an interesting position with, with the show and the book and the podcast and all that stuff. You had these, all these markers of success in your life. I think it would be easy to get wrapped up in that and identifying with it. And it seemed like I witnessed from afar, you almost taking like a, like a pivot in another direction where you're like, I'm going to drop off and
1: kind of work on something else. Am I wrong? I don't know. I mean, I just You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Because part of that is like, you need to be careful not to paint yourself into a corner. Yeah, And especially if you're on a reality TV show, that's exactly what they do to you. They sign you. They, they basically line you up for character assassination on, on day one. And it's just like, what can we do to torment this archetype? <laughs> and they try to take right. you down in one way or another. And Good. so coming out of that, also, like the polit- political landscape changed from an era of hope to like, oh, man, I was like starring on a TV show that like went live as a reality show. You know, personality is elected president and that seeing the way that reality television is made and media is put out there, it was just like, all right, I'm going to take a step back for a minute because there's a lot of. Well, you know, another piece of it was like it became a difficult back then when I was doing the TV thing to go outside in uh, especially in in Austin or in California or or in cities and not be recognized, which got psychologically really weird because mm. it went from a time of being recognized by p- people who listen to the podcast and, and were kind of in the same way of thinking like yeah. you know like me running into you for the first time it's like we we clearly tribe. agree about a lot of things like yeah, yeah you're you're we're like, part of the you. same tribe to yeah. people who only wanted to take pictures of me like one after another to make their friend jealous or to make their their boyfriend jealous or their wife jealous or whatever. It's just like taking selfies and selfies, not asking, you know, just running up to you and it's just like taking your dog for a dump or just like in the grocery store trying to pick out some cottage cheese or whatever. It's like, all right, we're going to move to the mountains and just chill out for a while. Cause we, we well, need this. And also, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do the same thing over and over again. I don't want to have the same conversations cause it gets old and then you're just not into it. Like, I'm a musician, and I know that you're into music. I loved reading through that part of your book. And one thing that I could never relate to was seeing those musicians and bands who were out there 40, 50 years later playing. It's cool that they're playing, but they're playing exactly the same songs. You know, seeing the Rolling Stones just, like, waggling their jowls at halftime shows and stuff. It's like, I don't know if I need to see that. Like, we've been listening to that for 50 years or whatever. Let's, Let's listen to some new stuff. The world has changed. Well, I feel like it's the same idea of pro- like that, like I could easily fall prey
0: to, I might be uh, prostituting myself might be a little bit strong of a word, but, but let's just go with a prostituting myself for validation through physicality, you know, yeah. I have muscles, I can do this gymnastic thing, I can pick this person up or whatever. And then even to the point of having an injury, which I like had like a wrist thing. And mm. I kept wanting to do that because I, I, I felt like I wouldn't be loved or whatever right, if I didn't totally. do those things. I think it's a similar thing that we can that can happen with a musician like okay if I don't play this song mm-hmm. then people will drop off and then yep. who am I if I'm not you know connected to the the community so I think it's interesting with you that you went into a route of expressing yourself via poetry with this amazing book that i was like i freaking love it man i'm super excited about it (laughs) thanks seriously i'm like shit i'm thinking about like you know i probably should be thinking about book two i gotta figure out book one first but i'm like
1: (laughs) i want to do a poetry book do it do it that's one of the reasons i wrote it is because i really want other people to do stuff like that you just never see it anymore right it's good so how does one craft a poem and why does it matter this is so cool i was just um at the holidays with my wife's side of the family, and there's a grandmother who's who's 90. And so she was reading through the book and just like giggling and reading poems and loving it. And she's like, you know, I wrote poetry and came up with rhymes. And a lot of my friends did. And we, we read it at weddings and, you know, like the best man speeches and or just like at family functions and stuff like that. And it was a part of what people did. Uh, I think a part is a, of folk culture, right? And I tried to re, uh, write these poems in this book, not in a way where it's like, look at me and look at how great I am at writing poetry, guys. Look at how like obtuse and depressing I can be in so many like, abstract ways. It's more just like, wow, this is kind of fun to read. This feels like a like a song or a limerick or, or it makes me yeah. want to write or it makes me want to like one of the things you write in your book is uh, the importance of singing, not because it's like, hey, guys, look at me singing, but be, it's, it's a communal at its best anyway. At its most yeah. magical, singing with other people is a is a communal spiritual, spiritual magical thing. It's yeah. it's just life life changing when you experience it for the first time. and You realize that you don't have to be a singer. We all are singers. We all are. You're always humans. you're always singing. Yeah, we're singing right now. You're always dancing. You're always singing. That's, That's some right. African
0: shit. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. So how what's how has poetry affected you? I, I, something that I find interesting when I do, do you know, in the poet fella, he's really, I don't know. Sounds familiar. Great. Yeah. And it was, we're gonna do a podcast, come up with him. So it's, it's somewhat relevant to the podcast. Um, but I've done some poetry workshops with him and oh, I cool. found that after one, I feel like poetry is like, it's like sleeping inside of all of us. You yeah. know, if you allow yourself to get out of the way of yourself, kind yeah. of like dance dances in you. Yep. Uh, you know, you just need to get out of your your head enough that you can kind of allow those that that internal sound or movement to kind of like start to come out because it's always there. Um, and so some, that's one thing that I found was interesting. Once I kind of got out of the way, I was like, oh, wow, I'm just like words are coming out and like ideas and feelings. And I feel like emotional now. Holy shit. Yeah. It's been there all this time. Um, and then also after the after that, I noticed uh, my starting to kind of like perceive the world in poetry a little bit and notice my Mm -hmm. language starts to shift a little bit Not that I've gotten that deep into poetry, but this is just like a little
1: microdose I just I noticed shift from a little bit of it. Yeah, is that is that a thing? It's a thing and another reason I did it (laughs) is because words have been used against us and weaponized in so many different ways Even like you think about the word fake and like that doesn't mean what it used to mean Um, Neither does truth even like all these words have been tinkered with and mean multiple things and carry all this baggage and so if they're going to use words against us, might as well like make fun of it and troll them right back with some of these ideas that in today's modern world, like Abel James wearing a blue shirt on on TV or on a video or whatever can get away with saying and doing certain things. (laughs) But a little poetry book that has baby on the front, it's like, oh, it's just like, little poetry. You can say whatever you want, right? You can right. kind of get away with, I can, I can put ideas in there that would be too uncomfortable or too weird or just like too clumsy to fit into this format. And so for people who haven't really done it before, one of the things that inspired me was, was my parents had sold their house a few years ago and I found this old box of like poetry that I wrote for a class in like sixth or seventh grade. And I totally forgot that I'd like loved it back then. I totally forgot. Like I totally forgot that I loved mountain biking for a while. Somehow, just years later, I grew up and then I tried it again. It's like, this is awesome. How did I forget about this? But it's like if your 12-year-old self can write a a silly or fun or interesting uh, poem of any kind, or if any 12-year-old can or 8-year-old or whatever, you can now. Like we haven't mm-hmm. lost that ability, uh, and so why not just wake up in the morning and try and do a bunch that are terrible, and then take the pieces the sentence or two from one of those and and crash them together and try to like massage them into place and see yeah. if that works, see if you can come up with something or just like what happens with me a lot of the time is is like when the whole cyber truck thing happened and it exploded and- <laughs> I just loved that whole thing. So I had to like start writing a poem about it. And also you can, you can rhyme a lot of things with Cybertruck. <laughs> I, really cyber tr- I don't know what a Cybertruck, I don't know what a Cybertruck is. Oh, you didn't even hear about that. I don't want to- I'm, I'm, a, I'm in a hole, man. I don't know what's going on. Okay. <laughs> Should we get into it or not? It's not really that big of a deal. Maybe like, it's like just the briefest of what the hell is a okay. Cybertruck. The- so like, like of all the things that have been hyped, in, in the past few years, I think Elon Musk is one of the the biggest, like, and he's just like, you know, we probably shouldn't hook computers into our brains, because it's not really a good idea. Then he like buys a company that hooks computers into people's brains. And he's just like, yeah, we're going to develop this because you won't be able to have a job unless you brain yourself in a few years or whatever. So anyway, that's a whole different conversation. But I don't I like that conversation. Yeah, that's by a good way. conversation. You're we just, can get into saying, that. Saying. <laughs> but that's all, That's <laughs> not even related to the Cybertruck because oh, there's the whole. All, right, all, right, all uh, right. There's like Teslas, and when they first came out, a bunch of people were trying to, like, my friends were like trying to sell me on Tesla and how great they were, and I'm like, what's going on? Then I realized they have an like kind of creepy affiliate program that no one else could get away with, and it's like if you refer a friend, you get this kickback. Hmm. And so anyway, Tesla is one of this these big. Sorry if anyone has a Tesla, but one of these big over overhyped things, and they came out with a truck, and it was like a James Bond theme, and they had lasers and things going off, and Elon comes out there, and he's like, look at this thing, and it looks like, like they, it's so bad that it got trolled by like coffee companies who <laughs> posted a picture of like an espresso, a metal espresso coffee machine, because this thing looks like it was designed by like a middle school shop class, it's just like a hunk of metal, it's like this big Triangle piece of crap thing that you would never trust to drive around. Anyway, they're demonstrating. It goes on for a long time. I didn't watch the whole thing, but they're demonstrating how bulletproof their, gla- their glasses on this truck. And they're like, here, man, who looks like this, one of Elon's little assistants on stage who's dressed up in like James Bond spy gear, but he's like super skinny with like the little turtleneck or whatever. And he throws this little metal ball at the window <laughs> and just goes, smashes right on stage and then elon's like oh my fucking god and like flips out on the live stream <laughs> and then he's just like oh my, oh my god and then they're just like throw another one see what happens and it goes, <laughs> 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 and just standing there with two smashed windows in this dumb looking cybertruck and anyway it just to me i lost it i just laughed for like two hours straight i was crying because to me, it just represents the hubris of man today. It's just like, look at me, my, my bulletproof technology and how much greater than nature I am. Smash! Right. Oh right. my fucking God. And, and so yeah. that that will be happening over and over, I think. Maybe not that literally, but you're going to be seeing that happening with medicines that have side effects that we don't understand with foods and chemicals and pesticides that are on our foods, with stuff that's in our water, stuff that's in our air, that leads to cancer years later, we're going to be finding that all this stuff we thought we knew was totally safe was totally damaging, like margarine. It comes around. And so I think it's just a wonderful reminder and a lesson that as flashy and as cool as technology and progress may look from the outside looking in, we have a long way to go. Maybe we're halfway yeah. there or whatever. <laughs> Maybe we're right about half of the time or something. I think it's a little bit more than that because there are these fundamental things like eat real food, do you know, foundational, functional training, move your body on a daily basis, be strong, move fast, push, pull. These things are foundational, but they're not flashy. People aren't looking yeah. for that. They're not listening to that most of the time.
0: I have this interesting kind of like stony idea that uh, you know we've put... So much emphasis on from like Elon Elon conversation, so much emphasis on going out in space or going into Mars and like right. leaving Earth because it's gonna just dissolve away into radiation and death. And uh, I feel as though we naturally, we, you know, we want to voyage and we want to explore and we want to kind of go off to these new lands and new new frontiers. Yeah, and I feel like the frontier that is missing, in modernity in large part is uh turning the telescope inward sure and you know going in like microscope inward and, and and observing your own internal landscape and your subconscious and you know i feel like like getting back like full circle back to like the bali magic stuff i think yeah there's a lot of value in that. It's just for the most part, we live in a materialistic society that if it's not, you know, here right in front of me and I can, you know, hit it with a hammer that I don't trust it. Um, and so I don't know. You, you ever think about that, like the value of, of, of exploring in the inward landscape? I want to take a brief moment and thank the show sponsor, Osea Malibu. That's O-S-E-A Malibu. They are some of, hands down, the highest quality skincare products that I have possibly come across. Uh, they are sustainably packaged, non-toxic, cruelty-free, and vegan. Made with love in California, as they say. I'm holding some of the containers right now. I'm holding the Atmosphere Protection Cream. It's made with organic seaweed, moisturizer, firms, and protects the skin from environmental stressors. Uh, It's really excellent stuff. I also got the Argon oil here. Uh, Everything is absolutely the utmost highest quality that you could possibly find for skincare, which is important because when you are putting stuff on your skin, you are absorbing that into your body. Uh, So don't think you're getting away with putting nonsense garbage on your skin from Walmart or whatever. Uh, you got to get good stuff. And this is exactly that it's, I absolutely stand behind the quality of all the ingredients and you can get yourself $10 off your first purchase of $50 or more by going to oseamalibu.com slash align. That's O S E A Malibu dot com slash align a-l-i-g-n for ten dollars off your first purchase of fifty dollars or more also free shipping for u.s orders uh, that are seventy dollars or more and uh, also free samples with every order so jump over to osea malibu.com slash align that's o-s-e-a malibu.com slash align for ten dollars off your first
1: purchase all right back to the show If you only believe in the kind of like materialistic world that a lot of science preaches, which is inherently just reduction, basically, right? It's like a five-year-old. I remember my little brother looking at me when I was a kid coming up to me and closing his eyes and being like, you can't see me. You can't see me. It's like, "Eh, that's not exactly how it works. There might be a little bit more going on. And so I think you can channel into that with things like the placebo effect. They're just kind of <laughs> thrown away as these concepts. Oh yeah, I know about that, it doesn't really matter. It's like, what? we get 30 to 50% better just by thinking about it, that's stupid. And and people just kind of like brush it aside for, because we're brainwashed to do that yeah. for some reason. Except, and it's it's, it's, am- like, it's amazing. Yeah, take a step back. It's the thing. That's, <laughs> that's either the placebo effect or that's magic. Yeah. Uh, and, and you reference some studies in your book as well which talk about visualization and the effect of that. And I remember my dad taught me about that when I was a kid and, and talked about a study where they had uh, people practice to shoot free throws in basketball, like in yeah. real life. Then they had people visualize it, and they both got about as good. And the people who didn't visualize it or shoot it didn't get any better, and they, they still sucked. And uh, it was like that with uh, wrist, wrist strength, wasn't it, in your book? Yeah. Do you yeah. want to bring that up real quick? Yeah. Because I think that's fascinating. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, so they've done wrists. They've also done a thumb, a thumb exercising one as well. I guess mm-hmm. apparently I mentioned the wrist one in the book, but um, there's been various different ones. The, the the thumb one that I'm thinking of presently is they had people, different groups, do actual, you know, thumb exercises, and then the other ones didn't do anything, and then the other ones just visualized it. And what they found yeah. is that people can literally strengthen their muscles because it's a it's a neuromuscular connection. You're always turning on the electricity inside of yourself. Mm-hmm. You could do that with your mind. You know, and so as you are, I think it's interesting that like as you are shooting a free throw, as much as you're physically going through the act of doing that, you're also visualizing the experience in real time. Yeah. You know, and so we kind of just forget about the whole fact that we're continually visualizing and creating our world as we as we go. And, you know, there's a lot of power that you can. You know, like watching surf videos is an example. You'll become Mm -hmm. a better surfer by wasting your time in quotations on YouTube watching people surf.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's it's one way that we learn. Monkey see, monkey do.
0: Monkey see, monkey do. It's cool, man. Yeah, it's a powerful thing. I think it's interesting that we end up kind of like trying to rule out the placebo effect, whereas we should be ruling in the placebo effect. Right.
1: Let's ride that bull. You know what I mean? let's, Let's work with that a little bit. You, look at the side effects. It's like half the time it works, whatever you want. Like, yeah. Sometimes it takes a little while. It does. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. But I mean, even if you have a shot, what a magical and, and cool thing. But an even crazier part, and I know that you get kind of more into the shamanistic and spiritual side as well. But when I was down in Peru uh, a few years ago doing an ayahuasca thing, I had the, the equivalent of the shaman was watching me visualize free throws. He could see what I was visualizing with my mind, and we could talk about that later. And that was another just kind of flipping reality on its head moment that, wow, there is a lot more to this than (laughs) what we've been
0: told. So what was that? What was the circumstance? What does that look like? Well, What did that scene look like?
1: Well, for me, it was... uh, Anyone... Have you engaged in ayahuasca journey of of various kinds? So it's... uh, for people who haven't out there, it's not a vacation necessarily. And and for no. me, it certainly was not. And, and my wife as well. It's a very physically uncomfortable. Uh, so anyway, it's it's a small amount of drink that tastes okay at first, but you realize later how, how much trouble it is when you just got <laughs> these burbles going on. And then you start the shamiting thing where it's like coming out both ends at the same time and you just want to throw up, but you can't for the next four hours or whatever. So that's kind of... At its worst, which happens sometimes—not every time. Sometimes it's really peaceful and wonderful, but a lot of times it's not. And so for me, it was one of those really bad times, and I was feeling so ill that I—I've um, been doing uh, qigong movements in the morning for like five plus years at this point. Um, and so I was doing those in my head in the room, as if I was out mm. there, just to distract myself of you know the horrible nausea and just like feeling super ill. And so I'm going out and I'm going through my whole set of movements, which takes, you know, 10, 15 minutes or something like that. And I'm, I'm breathing in and then breathing out energy or whatever. That's what you're supposed to envision in your head as, as in yoga or Tai Chi. It's not just a physical dance. There's more stuff going on. You're kind of visualizing at the same time. So anyway, after that that ayahuasca session was finished, the shaman lit the candle and then came up to everyone and has kind of like a little debrief conversation <laughs> nice and hushed and, and talk about it. And, and, uh, he came over and he's just like, wow, I hadn't seen those, those moves before. And when you breathed in the energy and then wow. like in the, middle of the room, that was something where I was just, and I'm just like, wait a minute, you, you could see that you were watching me the whole time. Wow. He's, just, he's just like, yeah, I watch everyone to make sure they're safe in here. And I was like, wow. <laughs> wow. Isn't that cool though? I mean, it's really, It was one of those things where he he literally gave me a play-by-play, not like he was bragging or saying, like, I was watching you. It was more just like something that was – everyone knows this. This is the way it is, obviously, you know,
0: Mm. Uh, which was even cooler. What did you – was there any standouts, points that you gathered from that experience? Other than maybe you know, magic magic is a thing. But well, magic is just a word. Words
1: are, words are funny like you already mentioned. Like the word exactly. magic can mean
0: one thing for one person, another thing for another person.
1: So Disney conditioned us, the corporatocracy conditioned us to think that magic is the silly thing that princesses do in their cartoons. Right. And that's, that's a problem with words, right? Where it's like the placebo effect is more what I'm talking about. But you can do that in your actual life as well in different ways. But it really... I, I like trying to make it practical. And so the thing that totally helps me the most, like the place that all this starts from is I've got it right here. It's just, you know, a notebook, a s- sketchbook. And I've got these all over the place and they're empty, right? This, I don't mm. like approve of this brand or anything. It's just, you know, empty paper. And so like every day, a lot of the day, I'm just scribbling into that. And if you, you get in the process of creating instead of consuming – just a little bit every day as a practice, it's extremely powerful. It's kind of like for you (laughs) having someone go into a deep squat in the middle of the day when they're feeling down, instead of going and like slump on the couch, you know, something that is inherently helping them Hmm. as a practice instead of inherently hurting them. So like every time you, you have that quick second and you don't know what to do, if you've got that piece of paper around and you've built that little habit, then stuff starts to happen. You start writing that poetry, poetry or you start coming up with ideas, making lists, doing little silly sketches and doodles and things like that. And it's amazing how much that can change uh, not just your daily life, but what happens later uh, is, is really interesting where I'll, I'll like, once I write down things in my journal, I usually won't go back to it because I kind of remember it. It's like there or yep. it's out, but I'll, Every once in a while, a few years later, I'll I'll just like flip through and go back. And it's like, here's what I visualized of my life two years from now. So I'm reading it like two years later. And it's like a picture of the house that we're renting or whatever. Or it's just, you know, like a picture that's not exactly right. But it's just like, there's my dog over there. And there's this fifth wheel trailer RV that we didn't have before. And there's a truck that I didn't think I'd have. And it's just like things like that will start happening where you realize that, yeah, we think we're driving all of this. But the subconscious... Whatever that is, is extremely powerful and we've got to work with that and we've got to see the programming that we're up against and then try to reprogram ourselves with hopefully something that's a little bit more free and a little bit more us, a little bit more you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what is, how how does the of or practice of writing and creating poetry and stuff, how does that, how has that been like a, like a therapeutic tool for you?
1: You're, oh man, for me as as like a musician and an artist, I feel very stopped up. I have for a long time because like I used to sell CDs when I was fifteen years old. I was selling my music online. This is like nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, and like making a good side hustle doing that stuff. And then all of a sudden, all music is is free. You can't sell CDs anymore. Your your product goes away, and. Um, a similar thing kind of happened with, with books and writing where it's like content is now all free or just advertising now or something. And you're not allowed to use certain words. Like if we were having this conversation 10 years ago, I would be able to say more words than I can say right now. And hmm. uh, without being censored, right? Without being like totally throttled or hijacked or whatever by the powers that be. And, uh, I know that at this point because I've experienced that and seen it all around me for long enough where (laughs) it becomes a problem because I I remember like a psychological study from school where if you tell someone not to think about a white polar bear, they think about a white polar bear harder than if they try to think about a white polar bear. And so that's happening with ideas now. That's, that's happening with taboo subjects and, uh, (laughs) Man, is that problematic? Because it's it's a now we're getting into Brave New World, 1984, you know, mind control, thought control, thought police type stuff, and that's really alarming. Not just for our generations, but like, what are we leading the next generations into? We have to ask, you know. And and we need to protect what freedom we do have, which which seems like it's on the downslope more than it's on the upslope. And I, I we, can't remember what it was. There's a, there's a quote in your book, but it's like. Uh, it, it takes moving to realize that you're in chains, right? Something like
0: that. Yeah, right. Yeah, you don't realize. I don't know who said that. It was at the beginning of one of the chapters. But yeah, it's, it's. how does that one go? We got to get it. It's it's not I love these you, quotes. They're great. Thank you. Yeah, Good, totally. man. It's funny. After creating, after finishing the book, there's all these other... I'm like, I'm really into quotes. I just right. like it a lot. I write oh, them. anytime awesome. I hear one. I'm like, oh, I got to put that one down. <laughs> and after the fact, I'm like, oh, man. It's funny. Once you create a book, you feel during the time of the creation, you feel like it's the book. Right. And then after the fact, you have to realize that it's just a book.
1: Yeah. You know, once
0: it's done, you're like, okay,
1: I'm done. What's it's next? A, it's okay. <laughs> we, we can, we can move on. Yeah. You know? It's interesting. It really is. Yeah. Psychologically. It's super interesting. And you're just past your thirties, right? You're a little younger than me. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm, I'm 32. So I can like feel, it's, it's funny reading through your book. I can like feel what you're going through because I was there like three or four years ago, like in a very similar spot, and so that's a cool part of the journey too. Is just like being able to empathize with different archetype archetypes almost as the as the years go by. Because I started almost ten years ago, like doing the the podcast and stuff, and so it's like I was the young one in my in my twenties. Ten years almost. I started with like Greenfield. Uh, Greenfield has been doing a little younger. Longer than me, but I'm a little younger than him. So it's like we're part of the same class. But I was like the ten years. Why did you start a podcast ten years ago? You <laughs> so I started my bo- my blog first, but I had a bunch of them starting in like 2006, 2008. But I had been building just websites for a long time. A lot of times, just because like for the bands that I was in, we would need a website back then. And so uh, it's just like crap. I could do that, or I could learn how to do that, like playing a new instrument or whatever. And so that just became the rest of this over the years, you know, like the world kind of merged into creating podcasts and video channels and all that. But, but back when I was a teenager, I was like pretty much making a living from streaming like music streaming back then that was figured out and done really well and totally fair for the audit, for the artists back then until yep. some of the like bigger corporate powers came in and they're like, we got to stop that <laughs> and basically stopped paying artists, In in all ways, unless you sign your life away for some crazy 360 deal contract, which a lot of celebrities do these days, and then they lose their ability to basically practice free speech and put out these stupid little poetry books and stuff like that. That's another reason I'm doing it is because like a lot of publishers now are trying to be more forceful with with what you can and can't say or the topics that should be in there or shouldn't be in there. And it's like, where is all this direction coming from? Because it's not coming from people's hearts, and I know that.
0: <laughs> well, the, the, the poetry, I think poetry is, is valuable similar to the way that comedy is valuable because yeah. it allows this spaciousness to touch on these taboo subjects, and taboo subjects will only gain strength. Like the moment right. that you tell your kids not to have sex or play with their pee-pee or wee-wee or not swear or not any Don't of that stuff. Don't think about the white polar like, bear. All right, you're creating a complex. Enjoy. Yep. You know, like you're like you're like we'll see what happens after Catholic high school or whatever. It's gonna be totally. an interesting road. Totally. You're creating and duality and you don't even realize it. You don't even realize it. You know, so the the more that and it's so fascinating how we have that with like um our relationship to our bodies in general. There's certain boxes or sectors of our body that are okay to talk about, think about uh, touch, be touched. Mm-hmm. And then there's other parts that are completely awful. And oh, they're contraindicated, right? You know, it's, it's like, well, the moment that you find a place that's contraindicated, mm-hmm. you know, where the, you know, the place that you need to go. Yeah. You know, I was like, I was listening to a thing with, um, the guy that created the cove, uh, documentary. Okay. It was on rog- Rogan's podcast. He was talking okay. about, um, they the the government gave them the maps of the places that they are allowed to go, mm-hmm. and then they're like, oh, perfect. So you essentially gave us the map of where we're, we need to go, which is the contraindicated <laughs> right. places that you suggested, because that's yeah. where all the dark shit is that needs the light. Totally. I think poetry is is one of those. It's like a flashlight in a sense, because it's like a yeah. Trojan horse and kind of sneak up into, into into deep subject, which is what you did with the designer babies. Still gets gabies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what a name. <laughs> You, it's like if you can get away with it you might as well try i and yeah yeah i've i've had fun <laughs> with some of the poems you can tell I'm practicing yeah. my free speech because we have to like prove that we still can yeah
0: yeah what's what does the name designer baby still get scabies mean um okay if we want to go
1: into the symbolism of it there's a there's definitely a theme to my work that I try to put in there that man versus nature is a pretty dumb fight and it's a dumb argument. It's uh we need to work with nature. It needs to be integrated. It can't, we can't, you know, take everything in nature and say that we're better than it and, and try to say that we're superior and be all smart and great and, and all of these other words that we you know, lavish ourselves with and just kind of swim in or whatever because we think we're so great. This is all ego. And it becomes really problematic because none of us are stronger than a typhoon or a hurricane or not, not climate change in like the way that it's used now, but like ice ages and the, the changes of the climate and geology and time. Time. Just look at time. All of the things that happen to people and all the people we've lost. I've lost a lot of people close to me relatively recently and there's nothing like that to really jar you into realizing that time is is moving and things are happening and but anyway that's a force of nature and so when you try to fight that it's like a celebrity who just keeps like stapling her face and injecting it with all this stuff and plumping and shrinking and it's like it's not working <laughs> it's not working and so when you spackle the gaps with all this stuff in medicine or trying to fix the climate, climate as a man or trying to say, well, I have the perfect diet or the perfect food or the perfect pill. It becomes very problematic. And so when you start designing babies, when you don't even understand what genes do or you don't understand how genes function or spread, there are so many things that we don't understand that we are playing with fire in the worst way when we're designing our own progeny. And also when we're, there's, there's a pit, piece to it where I'm making fun of like picking out your designer baby as if you'd pluck a daisy or, or pick out a dress and, and buy that at a shop because it's pretty. And isn't life a little bit more sacred than that? Isn't that saying that you're better than God? Like if you replace nature with God, then it becomes a little bit tricky To say what you're doing, tinkering around, you know, like going thousands of feet down into the ground, sucking up all of this poisonous tar and then injecting all this water down there and poisoning everyone's water and being like, you know what? It's good for the economy. So, uh, yeah, here we go. Let's do it again. Drill baby drill, you know. Hopefully it it helps people realize that we're all totally screwed (laughs) unless we right the ship in one way or another. And the idiots are in charge. Like these stupid people making the cyber trucks with the bulletproof glass that shatters on stage while people are swearing. Like you want them designing your baby and taking you to Mars? Are you out of your mind? You know yeah. what I mean? Like we've got we've to gotta take a step back.
0: I feel like the thing you said that stood out that I thought was interesting was like the idea of being versus nature. And then I feel like perhaps it's not wise to be versus anything. Right. You know so it's like it's like with anything it's like how do we create relationship with? You know right. so it's relationship with nature, relationship with our enemy. I think it was like Gandhi or something. He said something with like British soldiers. He said it's not just about getting them out but we need to create a a friendship with them. Totally. You know, so if you have an enemy on your lines, like just because they went back to their side of the border doesn't mean they're not still tinkering on how to destroy you and destroy, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's like, no, no, like there's an enemy in your, in your, in your, your, your space. Like, okay. Like how do we figure out what's, what happened? Yeah. You know, what's, what happened to you that this is, this is where you've come. Yeah. You know, because as long as we we push it back under the rug and kind of get them, get him out of there. It's just, I think it just festers and gets darker and then they come back with bigger missiles and bigger weapons and bigger, you know, whatever it is to, to, you know, so it's the relationship seems like a valuable thing.
1: Yeah. And if anything's off limits, like a piece of your body or an idea, it's just not going to work out well. It's going to come out one way or another and it's going to be unhealthy. It's kind of like, um, <clears throat> woman i dated in college was raised in the uk and i wasn't i was raised in uh you know new hampshire and so alcohol was super taboo right until you're 21 until like you're through college or whatever super illegal super you can get in deep trouble and actually i did back in this day and uh they served little bits of wine at her seventh grade dance (laughs) you know what i mean over in the uk and and so not that alcoholism isn't a problem pretty much everywhere because it, it can be a really dangerous substance, but that does a different thing psychologically to people. And uh, I think we can try to be a little bit more gentle. Like the whole idea or the meme that kids don't go out and play anymore or, or this idea of safety and safe spaces and where you can't invade people's ideas space and, and say certain words and things like that. I mean, okay, if you want to cuff my hands, I can play by those rules. But do you really want that, <laughs> Abel James? Do you really want that, Aaron? You know, It's like, no, you don't. It's going to come out in other ways, whether you like yeah. it or not. And so, honestly, this, this book is one of those ways because uh, it's, it's another channel to get ideas out there. And hopefully it will resonate with, with some people and, and inspire them to get out there and do something just for the sake of doing it. You know, because yeah. w- this life is short whether we like it or not and we can definitely just keep on working if we want to but we can do other stuff too Would it be totally annoying if I asked you to
0: read one of the poems because they're pretty, they're pretty short
1: No, I wouldn't mind at all um, Please! I think you'll like this one all right. It's called and it, it's kind of the theme that I was just talking about I'm going to take a sip of water here mm. Did you do an audiobook for it? Yeah, I did the audiobook as well. So that was really that fun. Must, that must have been super fun. Really fun. It's meant, yeah, this stuff is definitely meant to be read aloud and kind of sung. Some of them started out as songs. And some other ones I wrote when I was really young. So they're sprinkled in there. So this one is called, These Monkeys Are Part of a Study. Don't you worry, buddy. These monkeys are just part of a study. Sure, the science is a little muddy. And I'm sorry their foreheads are kind of bloody. Right now it's still a bit buggy. We just want to see if these monkeys get chubby, or if they die, or if their faces get ruddy, when we electrocute the brains of everybody. Pretty soon it'll be millennials and yuppies. But it's not like we're torturing the tails off of puppies. We simply impose our will on their minds, molding them like putty. It's the scientific method, you see, that gives us moral authority to poke and shock and slice with glee, turning him to her and she to he, cloning sheep cloning me cutting anything that bleeds lopping off all the parts we don't need and of course ultimately confirming our superiority over absolutely everything we see so don't you worry buddy these monkeys are just part of a study (laughs) damn that's some heavy shit man some of them might leave a mark But it's a way of getting the tension out, right? Like there are a lot of political things that have happened in the past few years, as they just like totally shut down the national parks and then open them up for drilling and destroy nature and all this stuff. And it's like, all right, I got to get some stuff off my chest. So I think not not just writing those, but even just reading them, it helps me giggle and get it out of my system a little bit. So whenever I do anything that's poetry,
0: it's just about like you know. Me figuring myself out. I think I'm very self indulged, narcissistic millennial. Um, whereas you're taking the craft of poetry and making it be about issues that matter. Is that how
1: does one go into that? That's a really cool distinction that you just made. And it reminds me of a conversation that um, I heard with Derek Trucks, who's one of the just masterful uh, guitarists who I've seen many times. And <laughs> the dude interviewing him was just like, so who do you think is good? Who do you see because they're good? And he's just like, I don't see anybody because they're good. I I see them because I want to hear what they have to say. Mm. And a lot of times, he was talking about music or he was talking about lyrics or, or whatever. And uh, for me, I kind of realized that Pretty quick. Once I started playing shows out, you know, on on guitar and saxophone and and different instruments and stuff, that people don't care about your chops. They don't care about like how many notes you can play and how fancy that all is. That's a cool gimmick for like a minute, but Mm -hmm. honestly, much less than a minute. It's like a few seconds and that gimmick is done. And it's way cuter if you're a kid, way cuter than (laughs) if you're an adult. So that starts to fade away. But what people really appreciate is you communicating with them and getting them involved in whatever you're doing there. And so I think there's definitely um, and and some of my poems are poems are more self-indulgent like that. And I think that can be really powerful, too. But one of the things with poems and with songs that I write that I realized is you're you're creating little memory capsules kind of it's like you're storing memories in this little thing and when you read it or hear that song years later you're like whoa i'm there it, it t- t- like i didn't forget this thing that happened to me this thing that happened to me or or what i've been through or what it felt like to be 15 it's like it's there and so yeah. that's what you're doing with poetry and that's a very powerful way of using it but also it's like okay what else can, can we say here? What else can we talk about that we're not allowed to talk about? And also, it's not really... I'm on a soapbox when I do the podcast, and I'm really thankful for that, that, that people listen at all. But it's not the right place to do the other shows that I do. You know what I mean? It's like, this is what it is, and then I do other stuff that's going to really piss some people off. <laughs> like Because my ideas are shockingly different from the status quo or what everyone else is doing or what's supposed to be said or what's supposed to be done. And so yeah. uh, I think it's important that we all kind of just get that out there. One thing that, that really happened to me is I lost someone who was about my age who's like the best artist I know who was at the height of his career. And it's like, oh, we got to keep this stuff going. He taught us all so much. And, and so I think we all need to keep the good things going and put it in your bag of tricks if you can. You know, and take that on and try to carry that torch forward. And uh, Shel Silverstein isn't alive anymore. Neither is Dr. Seuss. I and mean, their books have been the same for many, many decades now. And we need stuff about what's happening now because some stuff is the same as we get back to that. you know, The foundation stays the same, but a lot of things have changed and we need some some new ideas to get out there and refresh things. So write some poetry that's gonna piss people off. That's, that's what I think you should do, Aaron all right (laughs) i i have a deep feeling that you're capable of that (laughs) i appreciate that
0: um yeah i i uh i accept i accept that i will uh then read it to me on
1: my show come back on my show and then you can read it to me that would be awesome (laughs) i i accept your challenge (laughs) I, I i will i will i will do this all right all right um
0: how do people, what should people do from here? Where do people get the book? I guess it'd be the primary thing. Or where, 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 where do people go?
1: Yeah. So, okay. So, for this book, it's called Designer Babies Still Get Scabies. You can find it on Amazon. But if you go to designerbabiesbook.com, then uh, you can figure out how you can get the audiobook for free. Because if you grab the paperback book, which is right here, <laughs> and Aaron, you're getting one soon. I just signed one, it's on its way. <laughs> um, you can get all of that stuff from Designer's designerbabiesbook.com sign up to get the freebies and I'm also giving away one of my musical albums and we're giving away like a a thousand bucks worth of stuff and also a bunch of kindle books we've given away like 7,000 kindle books so far (laughs) so like as we come back on the grid and get this out there we're doing a ton of giveaways so make sure to uh, also if you can sign up for the newsletter at fatburningman.com and I promise to spam you every single day
0: I really appreciate your um approach to life, man. I feel like with so many things, it's like do as I you know, say not as I do. I feel like <laughs> yeah. with you from afar at least i mean i I don't know what you're up to in your in your in your personal life, but from know, afar it seems it seems like it seems like do as do as able does. and um I really appreciate it, man, it's awesome. i'm, I'm grateful to have you here.
1: Thanks for saying that. I really appreciate it, yeah, oh, yeah. of course. That's what you got to do. Just lead by example, right? You're doing the same thing.
0: Working on it. It's a process. Yeah, everything's a process. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're gonna jump over to your podcast, Fat Burning, Fat Burning Man, Fat yeah. Burning Man Show. I look forward to it. Uh, it's a freaking ten years. I didn't know I You started. T- I didn't know podcasts existed. 10- That's very exciting. <laughs> anyway,
1: um, uh, is there any final final words before going, or should we should we jump over? Final words. Yeah. Go out and and. Just like make sure that you have a piece of paper or a journal that you can write on, sketch something. Just like get something out of your head, and and put it there, and then turn the page, and then try to do that like every day for a while, and see what happens. You guys will be surprised by what you make, and it'll be very cathartic, you included, Aaron. I'm you on included. it. No, I, pre- I was t- when you when you said the
0: the the, the challenge of, of doing the poetry and like I was taking it seriously. I was like, yeah, all right, I'm gonna. It's I'm a gonna fun do- one, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's. It, it. I think it's really a really smart thing to do. Um, all right, uh, thanks so much for making time for this, man. I really appreciate it. I thanks will see on. you. I will see you in about forty-five seconds on uh, on your side. Boom, bye, all right. Thank you all for tuning in. Pow so much for tuning into that conversation with Abel James. If you enjoyed that conversation, reach out to Abel or I uh, share some tidbit from this that you enjoyed and tag either of us. He is at Fat Burning Man on Instagram. I am at Align Podcast, A-L-I-G-N Podcast. Um, thank you all so much for reviews on iTunes. Thanks for sharing this. Uh, thanks for grabbing the Align Method online program. One of the specific things that we get into with that Is breathwork practices. So if you have interest in getting deeper into your own breathwork game, that is something that we explore in that program. And I think that you will quite enjoy it. It's a seven day free trial and uh, it is guaranteed to be helpful. And if not, you just don't continue. It's all good. No no strings attached. You can go through the first seven days, get value, and then onward, upward with your life. Um, thanks so much for doing you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sharing this stuff. Thanks for grabbing the Align Method book. And I will see you very soon on uh, next Thursday with a solo episode. All right, over now.